0: Welcome to new listeners. What is I Seem Fun, the Diary of Jen Kirkman? God damn it. This is exactly what it is. I couldn't even say my own name. And I almost just hit pause so that I could edit this out. But screw it. That's what this podcast is. I Seem Fun, the Diary of Jen Kirkman podcast is a solo podcast done by me, comedian Jen Kirkman. You may remember me from Chelsea Lately or Drunk History. You may have read my books. You may have seen my Netflix specials. I'm going to die alone and just keep living. This is where I go to say whatever the hell I want. There doesn't have to be punchlines. It doesn't have to be politically pleasing to any particular group. It doesn't Have to be funny. It can be sincere. I've cried on this podcast before. I've definitely been funny on this podcast before. I've been informative. I've been stupid. I've just been a human. This is where you can go to, for free, listen to a performer riff for an hour about what went on in their mind, in their world, in their life that week. I started this podcast in 2013 when I was a writer and performer on The Chelsea Lately Show because of how fun that show was and I was doing things like Drunk History, a lot of people thought I was a very fun party girl. And so they were coming to my shows drunk and screaming things out and I realized this is out of control. People need to know that I seem fun, but I'm really not fun. I'm, I like to do dumb things like stay home on Friday night and make lists. And I like to not be wasted in shouting things out if I'm in the audience somewhere. I wanted a podcast for people to find the real me. And it's been one of the most fun things that I've ever done in my creative life. So if you start listening to the podcast and you feel lost and you feel like it's a conversation that you're not part of, that's kind of what it feels like. But if you stick with it, you'll start to understand that it's random and you can be part of it anytime you want. I will read you a review from the Onion AV Club. What makes I seem fun funny is Kirkman's inherent knack for cultivating conflict, even talking into a microphone in a room by herself. Whether she's dissecting a negative iTunes review from an angry Christian or seriously considering a class action suit against Robin Thicke for being gross, Kirkman is eternally embattled, but she tempers her cynicism with sweetness, and more often than not, she's right. Get ready to step inside to I Seem Fun, the Diary of Jen Kirkman Podcast. Welcome. I Seem Fun. I Seem Fun. The Diary of Jen Kirkman Podcast. I Seem Fun, the Diary of Jen Kirkman Podcast, Episode 277. Oh, you know I love making lists. And so, I made a list of what we are talking about today. Inspired by a listener email, a 20-something who feels that their life might be over, that, that, that they're in a mini midlife crisis. Have they screwed up? They've put too much time into work. Where's it going? They have no personal life. They're anxious. They're in debt. Well, inspired by that, I will tell you a couple of stories. One, how many times I thought my life was over because I messed up something. Taking a flight to audition for a comedy festival, auditioning for the comedy festival, screwing it up, being told I'd never work in that town again because I was, well, I had such a bad fear of flying. I took a Klonopin and I screwed up my whole audition. I never assumed I'd get to do what I do for a living because of my fear of flying. Crazy day jobs I've had, like selling ads in magazines for millionaires, working, At a Wall Street investment firm. And after I tell you about where I'm coming up uh, touring, I will tell you a couple stories from the road this weekend, which is crazy how much I've overcome my fear of flying because I was late for a flight, totally unprepared, and also the pilot slammed on the brakes on the runway. So, all of that is coming up on today's episode of I Seem Fun, the Diary of Jen Kirkman podcast. Let's get into it. This is the listener email. Now, I have to tell you guys, there really is something going on here where the, the 20-somethings, they're coming to Aunt Jen. I want to service all of you. That sounds perverted. That's not what I mean. I want to be of service to all of you, and I will get through all of these emails eventually. I may do a separate, just all- email episode at some point. But I mean, I'm thinking I need to make this into a job. Um, But that's that's for another. Listen, everyone put that on their vision board. Like a one woman queer eye, you know, but it's not about makeovers. It's about make inners. Oh, this is going to be great. Anyway. Hi, Jen. Thanks for your show. And I wouldn't ask advice from anyone who I didn't admire greatly. Thank you. Simply put, I'm stuck between a few things. Trying to switch careers to do what I love, being burnt out, being in debt, and being in a quarter-life crisis. I won't get into too much details because I know this isn't therapy. That is true because I would, none of you are paying me $250 an hour. Imagine if all of you did, I would stop doing the podcast. I would just deposit that check and be like, thank you. That's what I've been waiting for. Um, But I wanted to know if you had any tips on being in your mid-20s being burnt out from constantly working when I'm trying to switch careers. (laughs) Wait till you're 44 and still doing the same thing. Oh, uh, from something that pays well to doing something you love. All the while, knowing your debt keeps you from taking a vacation or taking a lower paying job in a new industry. I'm studying, learning, and practicing my new profession on the side, but I feel hopelessly behind my peers and I'm so burnt out, it's starting to impact my work ethic in general. I'm exacerbated it 's exacerbated my already horrible anxiety disorder, and now I'm in a mode of a mini midlife crisis. I'm sure I sound melodramatic. you do that's okay it's your life you can be melodramatic about it but I've abandoned almost all of my personal life and friendships as I kept my head down working just to end up feeling like I'm starting over or was a waste of life not not to mention being stuck where I am i'm keep feeling like I'm at my breaking point. So, it's either I figure something out or I skip town and take a fake identity. I hope this makes sense. Any tips or thoughts would be appreciated. First of all, I laugh that people go, any tips? Any tips? Like, usually that's like, you know, oh, my nails keep chipping. Do you have any tips? This is like, I'm at my breaking point and I have squandered all of my money and I don't have any personal relationships. Any tips? Any tips? <laughs> I'm not laughing at you. I'm just laughing at what a casual word that is. I have more than tips. I have real life experience. Now, listen, it is melodramatic to say all these things. So, I'm going to give a little tough love. At a certain point, you have to say to yourself, I am fucking young right? You were a teenager six years ago. That is not a long time that you've been an adult. Your feelings, your hormones, they're going crazy still. Your brain is still developing. I don't know if that's true, but it sounds good. Don't email me. I don't care if our brains are developing or not. So relax. I know it sounds like an old person out of touch thing. I, the guy who prescribes my Klonopin that I take as needed for flying wears a Hawaiian shirt, And, you know, I always have to check in. And he should understand that I'm not too afraid to get on planes anymore. I don't have catastrophic thinking. I don't think it's going to crash. I'm not having panic attacks every time I fly. My God, that would be crazy because I fly six times a month. But I do have panic disorder. And sometimes it flares up and it can flare up on an airplane. And I like to have a dissolvable in case so that I'm not sitting there panicking for six hours, because sometimes they need to sleep on an airplane. Sometimes they need to get work done. Sometimes I just need to not have a panic attack for six hours. It doesn't even, I don't even have to be doing anything to uh, not want that. So he said to me once, do you ever just think to yourself, I've had a good life. You know, if this thing goes down, I go, yeah, yeah, I, th- <laughs> this is something that some idiot says to you at a party. You know, you're talking to someone who's had a few too many drinks and they're like, how's your anxiety going? And you're like, I don't really want to talk to you about it. Come on, talk to me. Bobby, Bobby Bibbob at the barbecue. All right, Bobby Bibbob. My my anxiety's okay. I just, you know, whenever I get in a, you know, cab, I get scared because they drive so crazy. Do you ever just think this car crashes? I've had a good life. Okay, thanks, Bobby. I'm going to go over here now. What? What'd I say? So, But there is something to what my psychiatrist is saying to where he's like, look, at a certain point, if you're at your breaking point, the first thing that you can change instantly, it doesn't mean that your feelings will catch up to it instantly. Woo. Sorry, Peter Brady there. The The first thing you can change instantly is your attitude. You're mentioning a lot of the beliefs you have. I feel this. I feel that. So I'm glad you're using I feel because I feel is still detached from it is. You're not saying it's over. It's hopeless. You're saying, I feel like it is. So feelings aren't facts. So don't keep affirming this stuff. Don't let it get into, I'm behind my peers. I'm, you know, I'll never get there. You say, a feel, you're saying, I feel hopelessly behind my peers. Okay, good. So you feel that way. Who cares? So, So who are you to not feel hopelessly behind your peers? Maybe you are behind some of them. So what? Do you know how this ends? Are you the author of the story called Life? No. Maybe they'll be ahead right now. You'll be more ahead later. I've seen this happen to friends of mine. When I first moved to LA, a good friend of mine moved here. I'm not from a rich family. She was. I had a day job. She, I had to work, you know, after this is again, like i I'd been doing comedy uh, like eight years at that point. I moved to LA. I want to get a job any job, I, but I really wanted to get a job, you know, acting or writing for TV, but you have to put a lot of time into, you know, writing your spec script and going around town every night and doing free, you know, doing comedy for free. <laughs> I had already for eight years been working day jobs and doing comedy for free at night. I didn't want to do it again in a new city. I'd done it in Boston. I'd done it in New York. I get to LA, it's more of the same, right? My friend is from a rich family. They're paying her rent. So she doesn't have to work. She has a minute to catch her breath when she gets to LA. She doesn't have to work right away. And I was really jealous of her, you know. I I was working. I was a waitress at a country club. I I waited on Buzz Aldrin and and his wife. She was an asshole. Buzz was a little rude to me too, but I kind of like him. The more that I see him, like he punched out someone who was like, the moon landing wasn't real. He's in his 80s. He punched that guy hard. And I just found out that he's an AA, doesn't drink anymore. So no wonder he was ornery at the stupid wedding that I was waiting. You know, I was waiting on him at a wedding at this fancy country club. Who likes to not be drinking at a wedding? You know what I mean? He was probably like, this shit's so boring. And I kept refilling his water glass And he hit my hand, like, stop with the freaking water, which is interesting because that's the only thing he can drink. But he was probably like, stop reminding me that I can't have any fun at this fucking boring wedding. And his wife had a giant purse that was shaped like the moon and it was entirely made of diamonds. And anyway, I just thought they seemed like assholes. So that's what I'm doing, right? With my nights because I got a waitressing job thinking it would be more flexible. But then I find myself working nights and I'm trying to do comedy. Anyway, I was really jealous of my friend who got to take her time and she got a writing job right away, a writing job in comedy. It wasn't like the most prestigious writing job. It was writing jokes for this little show. But she was working and getting paid to write jokes. I wasn't. And guess what? She ended up stopping working in comedy about a year and a half later because she didn't love it enough to keep hustling. And, and she was not even hustling as much as I was. And her family, years later, you know, with all of their expectations that they put on her, you have to end up married like we are. You know, her parents got divorced later in life. She never saw that coming. No, the whole family didn't see it coming. And she kind of didn't know what she wanted to do. And she said to me years later, <clears throat> within the last couple of years, I didn't love it enough to hustle like you did. And I'm so envious in a way that you had to make your own way because it taught you all these things that I just didn't have. So you never know, dude, your friends could be nailing it now. But also if you feel hopelessly behind them, you're just affirming it's going to suddenly turn to bitterness and I don't want them to have this. And and that. This is what I hear. Now, I don't have proof, but I hear that the universe is powerful, but also dumb. So if you're thinking bad things for other people, I want, I don't, you're coming from a place of lack. I don't have this. They do. The universe is going to go, oh, that person has this. I'll give them more. And then you're manifesting lack and the universe will give you less. Now, I know you go, what about a crack baby in Bolivia? I go, I know. I know. I think this only might apply to white people in first word countries, first word countries, world. Um. I'd like to buy a first word. Um, so, I'm just saying, anything you have to do to just remind yourself, the bottom line is, you're not, we're not literally trying to manifest things like it's magic, but you can sort of tell But the more shit you put in your head, the worse you're going to feel. Just like if you're eating too many donuts, you know, it's not, I ate too many donuts. The universe manifested this, you know piece of fat that got lodged in my heart. It's like, no, you did that. So, these negative thoughts will manifest your destiny, which could be shit. So, let me just tell you some fun Jen Kirkman stories and then I'll round round you off with some advice. So, when I was in my early 20s and I started doing comedy, the big thing was you've got to get into the Aspen Comedy Festival. Now, what was that? It was a comedy festival (coughs) in the ski town of Aspen, Colorado. Now, I've never been which I just probably blew the end of my story, but I've never been there. The comedy festival doesn't exist anymore. And it basically was every Hollywood executive or, you know, the ones in comedy and various other hangers on that think they're in show business, but they usually just book some comedy club somewhere in New York or LA. They all go to this festival. And then also the townspeople of Aspen are there. So it's just like, it's really just a place Where a bunch of rich assholes can go where there's white powder, cocaine and snow. And they're like, this is great. It's just white powder everywhere. We, we ski on it by day. We put up our nose by night. Oh, and then, you know, these people are going to entertain us as we decide their future. If you didn't get, it was like, let's, you know, instead of, they have these festivals so that executives don't have to get on planes And they don't have to leave New York or LA. So they have these festivals and and you, oh, I'm going to go to Montreal and I'm going to see all the hot new talent that's been whittled down from all over the country. So it's like these executives, (coughs) the people that are in front of them have been whittled down from various talent scouts for the festival all over the country. So you first have to get through To the talent scouts. And, and and usually the lower on the rung in show business you are, the bigger an ego you have. The more important you think you are. That's just how it is. You know, it's like little dogs act the craziest when the mailman comes. And big dogs are like, uh, you know, like they 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 own it. They're like, I'm not fucking afraid of this. So all these people, you've got to get into Aspen. You've got to get into Aspen. What's going to happen if I get in? I don't know. Just, just get in and then we'll discuss how much your dreams are going to come true. So I'm doing comedy in Boston for one year. I'm 23 at this point. I don't understand that I'm young. I think I'm an adult. When I hang out with people in their 40s, I feel the same age. Anytime anyone tells me they're older, this is what it feels like, I don't respect it. I just think, yay, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't want to hear about your experience. You've no idea what it feels like to be me. The thing is they do know they've actually just forgotten because it wasn't actually a big deal when they were like, it's all relative. You know, um if you're in your early 20s and you you feel like you're in debt or you are in debt and you're worried and you and you want to make money but you you don't want to but you want to do what you love, you're not supporting children and elderly parents. You know, you, you're this is your time to make mistakes, be selfish, be in debt, be foolish, worry. This this is what this time is for. But you can do it in a wise way or you can do it in a way that sets you up For the rest of your life, trust me, you do not want to be feeling this way in 20 years. But the way to not feel this way is to stop acting and feeling this way now. It has nothing to do with if you get success, you won't feel this way in 20 years. Let me tell you, your feelings, they come along for the ride unless you exterminate them. All right? Imagine your feelings, the negative ones, are a bunch of bugs. And you think, okay, a bunch of bugs live inside me. I am a building. So if bugs live inside me, I must be a crumbling old building um, with bad plumbing. That's why there's bugs inside me. So you change the exterior of your building and now you've made yourself over into a brand new mansion or brand new high-rise condo. Can't be bugs there. And then, oh my God, the bugs are with you because the bugs are inside you. This is a terrible analogy. And why does anyone ask me for advice? What what happened with that podcast you were listening to, honey? Did 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 she help you with your debt? No, she said something about bugs inside of me. I don't know. It sounds kind of weird. She might need to call that doctor again. Um, so let me explain to you. You don't want to go into the next 20 years because life is going to be more of the same of this. I'm just telling you right now. But you will get more used to it. You will have a sense of humor about it. You will be able to balance. You will have that personal life again. It'll just be that nothing, nothing is... It's not the moon. It's not Buzz Aldrin landing on the moon. Now I don't know if he actually landed on the moon or was just one of the guys in the car. In the car. Remember when we sent a car to the moon? <coughs> you kids don't remember anything. We sent a car to the moon. We sent a 1978 Pontiac to the moon. Some of the guys were afraid to get out. Some of the guys were kind of nervous. They're like, "Oh my God, is there? There's no gravity up here. It's fucking weird." So anyway, I, some of the guys didn't get out of the space shuttle, or they did. They floated around. But maybe you would think I would know this. I feel like some people stayed in the shuttle, some people floated around, and a couple of people stood on the moon. I don't, I will look this up. So by the time you hear this, I have the answer. You don't have to email me. So, but it's not like you can put your flag on the moon and go, I made it. I'm at the moon. It's like, that's most likely never going to happen in your career. And there are people who are wildly successful. They've made it. They're millionaires and they think they're broke. You know, they truly never fixed that mindset of everything's okay. There is some security. You are respected. So you've got to fix that mindset so that you can achieve what you want, not drive yourself crazy on the way to achieving it. Be okay if you don't achieve everything you want and be able to enjoy it if you do achieve everything you want. <coughs> so what was I saying? What was I, fuck, So, here's my story. So, got to get into Aspen. Got to get into Aspen. So, I'm doing my comedy around Boston. I think I'm hot shit because I'm 23. And every week I perform for about 40 people my age who like what I'm saying. I don't take into account that it's because they're my age. I think this group of people is the world. And there was really no internet yet in, in the way that we have it now. So I, I really couldn't get a sense of how small the world was and how in a good way insignificant I was and how I have so much to learn. I really was living in a bubble, you know. So I'm on stage. I think I'm the greatest, blah, blah, blah. And I, we hear that talent scouts in town. His name is Lou. And he is scouting for the Aspen Comedy Festival. And he is from New York City. Well, Lou comes to see us and he loves me. He thinks I am just a breath of fresh air. And my act at the time, which I don't know where this was going to go well, was shitting on the older comics in the comedy scene, the, the guys that, that never left Boston. And they didn't need to because they were making a fucking killing as comedians. I, I didn't mean that in a pejorative I would make fun of them. This is the old guard. I'm the new. I'm coming in. F you, blah, blah. And then I did some other jokes about, you know, I'm the side effects of antidepressants. I'm on Prozac, something like that. Trust me, it was already hacky by the time I was doing it. And then I don't I don't remember. I I don't really remember what my act was. It it was not great yet. But inside of me. That's the thing that sucked. I knew what I wanted to be. I was ready to be it. I was ready to be great at it. And I was just not yet. And it was driving me crazy. And so I just felt very entitled. Other people who'd sort of figured out who they were earlier were seeming to have an easier time. But what I was going for was something very different that involved, you know, really figuring out who I am as a person, which is going to take time. I have some other friends who figured out how to do absurd short jokes. You can do those at any age and you don't have to be self-reflective and you don't have to figure out who you are. I'm not saying that's worse. I'm saying, of course, they found that first because my journey involved having to be alive a little longer and know myself a little more and blah, 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 blah. So anyway, but at this moment in time, I'm getting all the attention because what I'm going for looks and feels exciting. We all want to be on the ground floor of investing in this girl because when she breaks and figures it out in a few years, we'll be there. So this Lou guy, now I'm at this point wearing like sweatpants on stage, T-shirts. I'm just trying to look as ratty as possible because I don't want anyone judging me for being a girl. And this Lou guy comes up to me and goes, look, I'm going to put you in the showcase for Aspen. Basically what they do is they see you in your natural habitat at the club you're used to performing at or the comedy space. They see you kill. And then they say, you have to do it again, but at this ridiculous showcase where we're going to give you half the amount of time that you just performed in an environment you're not used to, uh, go do that. I'm like, okay, can't you just let me into the festival based on, you just saw me kill. No, I have to see you again at the official audition. All right. And they're not even trying to do it on purpose. They're not even trying to set up hard circumstances to make sure you're still funny. It's literally how ignorant people are to to comedy that you can't make 12 people do four minutes in front of a crowd that got free tickets and expect it to go well at all. It's not going to go well for anybody. Anyway, so... He says you know you gotta dress kind of nice i mean i i'm 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 taking you to possibly you know I'm taping this. you set up a camera in the back of the room tripod. I'm taping this, and there's gonna be executives that see this and they're gonna want to look you know he wasn't wrong, he wasn't being totally sexist, he wasn't like, show some legs, honey. He was just saying you might not want to wear sweatpants and a t-shirt you might want to look like you give a fuck. well, I was real upset about that. this is. My, 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 my but I did it. I hear from him that I've made it to now the semifinals in New York. So now I have to go to New York and I have to be there on a Friday night. Now I have a day job at this point that I cannot F around with. I cannot just take a day off last minute and I didn't want to lie and call in sick. And we had a big thing that day. So, and I I liked my day job enough. Like if I never made it, I said to my boss, I'm going to go to New York. And if I don't make it in a year, and I said, if I don't make it by the time, yeah, I said, if I don't make it by the time I'm 25, you know, can I come back and work here? And they're like, sure. Now I didn't make it by the time I was 25, but I didn't want to go back. But that's what I thought when I was 23. I'll give myself two years to make it make it. And I mean what I thought making it was was mansion millions I have sitcoms I'm I'm running Hollywood. That's what I thought. I did I had no understanding that that couldn't happen in 2 years. Um or even 20. So I get to get from Boston to New York City. Like you know, leave work at five. Maybe they let me leave a little early four. I get a spot at nine o'clock that night in New York City. So I take the 45 minute flight. Again, fear of flying. Because of my fear of flying, I couldn't do anything. I didn't tour for the first 10 years of, you know, a lot of comedians would get on airplanes, fly themselves somewhere, be the opening act for someone, tour, go around, go on long drives. I was anxious. I couldn't get in cars like that and drive by myself on freeways all over America. I couldn't get in planes. So I didn't tour for the first 10 years and I thought I'm never going to make it as a touring comic because, well, one of the clear reasons was I can't get on any of the devices available that take you anywhere. But I just thought it it was just, my anxiety was so much that I I couldn't deal with anything. And so I would say to you tips on anxiety hidden within this story, and there's going to be a couple other funny stories coming up, is Get into therapy as soon as you can. I know you say you can't afford it, but there are discount therapies. My first therapist was $15 an hour, you know, a session because she was a grad student. So you can find those. We've got Talkspace.com. We've got reading books like the Panic and Anxiety Phobia Workbook that you can put that into Amazon. You'll find it. It's a great book. There's a great book, The Energy of Money. Seriously, read a Susie Orman book about being in debt. I'm not kidding. I was $30,000 in debt in my 30s. And I had the IRS knocking on my door. Like I got served a summons. And I was working a day job. And I was doing comedy at this point, 10 years, 12 years. I never thought that's where my life would be. All the debt is paid off because I was so stupid when I was in college and I got a credit card. I was afraid to touch it because my parents, this, they, I I don't know what I just, they, they said, don't ever get a credit card. You'll go into debt. I didn't know what that meant. It was like, there wasn't an explanation of if you have one, you do this. None of that. They just said like apocalyptic things. Don't get a card. You're going to debt. So I started getting credit cards. I got a Victoria's Secret one. I got one from Bed Bath, no, Bath and Body Works. No, Victoria's Secret, you go, what are you, you, some salty lass? I got one from there because you could buy like pajamas. And so I was like, oh, these are fun and silky. And I bought, uh, you know, like at the mall, like all the stores near each other. I think I got one for Sears. Like I need a VCR, you know, all kinds of things. And I didn't know about percentages. I had no idea that you paid a percentage of your debt on your credit. I didn't know any of this. Okay. Long story short, (coughs) I have like six credit cards and I get the bill and it's a little scary because it's like a couple hundred bucks, but they only say you need to pay 19 right now. I go, oh my God, I'll just pay 19 bucks a month for the rest of my life. This is amazing. I didn't realize I was incurring debt. I didn't realize I was incurring fees. Then I thought, well, wait, when I move from here, they won't be able to find me. That's how fucking dumb I was in my early 20s. I literally thought if you moved out of state, they couldn't find you and they just gave up. I'm not kidding. And when I realized that doesn't work with credit cards, I still thought it worked with cell phones. When I moved from New York to LA, I was like, bye, bitch. I owe like two grand on this cell phone because back then we used to have to pay by the minute for phone calls. I'm on the phone, blah, 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 blah. So I was really dumb I doubt you're as dumb as I was. So here's what you do. You pay off the debt slowly and you just live with the debt as long. Like in other words, this black and white thinking, of, I've got to get all the debt paid off. Just pay it off as much as you can so that we are not just paying interest. And you're going to have some debt. Stop incurring debt today, right now. You know? <clears throat> and this notion that you need to quit your good paying job to pursue what you want. I, it depends on what you're doing. I don't know what your dreams are. Like you didn't say specifically what you do for work, but I think there might be a way where you still have to maybe work the the good paying job and do your thing that you love on the side. Uh, maybe it's burning within you like this has to change soon, but maybe you can just whoa Nelly on those feelings of like, this has to change right now and just go, it's going to change. I'm making a six month plan, just something, you know, plan out. Here's how much of my debt. I mean, if I actually could sit down with you and see all the debt you have and then see what you do for a living, like I could probably help you better. Um, I'm not offering that. I'm just saying, but in a general way, the overall thing is to, to work on your anxiety now, it progresses. And we start to do weird things when we have anxiety in order to soothe ourselves. And our ideas are always terrible. They involve drinking or isolating or overeating or not attempting this or hiding out or blowing things off or, you know, watching Netflix all day. And you will get used to those habits. You will get used to the pain that these bad habits cause and it will become comfortable for you. So you cannot do that. You have to realize right now that someone out there has good tips for your anxiety. But if you think that a podcast can just tell you what you need to know and off you run, I'm going to show you a million more doors that you need to open. And I'm calling it, go to therapy. Read these panic and anxiety workbooks. You have work to do, my friend. And I'm telling you, that's just what it looks like. There's no turning back from knowing you need to do the work. You can either ignore it and not do it and think it's going to change with some amount of success. Or you can listen to someone older who's telling you, it's not just me that fucked up and I was over here and I should have been over there. That's what happens if you don't address this stuff. So, you want to know what I could have done differently? I could have started. Now, I did start working on my anxiety, but sometimes it just takes what, Just whatever. Okay. I get on the airplane. I take too much Klonip and I've did this one other time before. I don't know how much you're supposed to take for a 45 minute flight, a half a milligram. I probably took six times that. I get off the plane. I don't even, I don't, I remember nothing. I just know I'm on stage. I'm supposed to do five minutes. I'm like in and out of consciousness pretty much. I don't do a tight set. I'm basically in a blackout. I do 20 minutes. I'm running the light, which is like the biggest sin in comedy. And this guy, Lou, comes up to me after he goes, I believed in you. I I told everyone about you. You just humiliated me. You'll never work in comedy again. <clears throat> <laughs> That's all I've done since then is work in comedy. You know what I mean? It's like, and I believed it. I thought it's over. I had no perspective that nothing is over at 23. I wasn't well known. So I couldn't, even, it, you know what I mean? It's not like uh you know, this Lori Laughlin with the college scamming. It's like <clears throat> her mistake is very public and very illegal. Mine wasn't, <clears throat> you know. So I get to New So anyway, I moved to New York despite being told I'd never work in show business. I was like, well, what if there's a chance that Lou isn't the end-all be-all and this festival where everyone's skiing on piles of cocaine isn't the end-all be-all. So I go to New York City and I begin to get a series of ridiculous day jobs. Now, one of my jobs right now is being a podcaster. And so I will tell you about our fabulous sponsors as part of what is my day job now. And I mentioned therapy. You guys, Talkspace, my favorite sponsor. Well, I shouldn't say my favorite, but my favorite therapy sponsor. There you go. There you go. Talkspace is here for you if you need to go to therapy, T-A-L-K-S-P-A-C-E.com. Go to Talkspace.com. They have more than 3,000 licensed therapists who are experienced in addressing the challenges we all face, right? Whether it is switching jobs, being in debt, having anxiety, these people deal with it. All these are real therapists. And to match with the perfect one for you for a fraction of the price of traditional therapy, go to Talkspace.com and you're going to use the code Jen at checkout to get $45 off your first month. It's online therapy. It makes taking care of your mental health more affordable and convenient than ever before. You can send your therapist unlimited text, audio, picture, or video messages anywhere, anytime, and you'll hear back daily, five days a week. All you need is a computer with internet connection or the Talkspace mobile app. No matter what you're going through, you're not alone. Trust me, more than 1 million people are feeling happier with Talkspace. You can join them, and you no longer have to visit multiple therapists in order to find the right one. You don't have to commute. You don't have to be face-to-face if you're scared of that kind of thing. Taking care of your mental health shouldn't be all of this work, right? You can send unlimited messages to your dedicated therapist from the privacy of your device anywhere, anytime. You can also do a live video session if you do need extra support. And one month of therapy on the Talkspace platform costs about the same amount as a single face-to-face session. And you'll never have to wait a week to share what's on your mind. And for teens, Talkspace for teens... One in five children deals with a mental health issue in their lives. That's why Talkspace is now offering counseling to teens ages 13 and up. Teens can message a licensed counselor from the phone or computer anywhere, anytime. No appointments, no scheduling hassles or extra commutes. You can help take care of your child's well-being with the help of a professional in an easy and affordable way. So everybody, the kind of stuff you guys write me about is the kind of stuff that is ripe for therapy. It's how I got my shit together. I'm sorry to say shit in an ad, but you know what? That's how much my shits together is that I can say shit in an ad. And they're like, you know what? That's, I'm fine with that. Talkspace.com, T-A-L-K-S-P-A-C-E.com. Code Janet Checkout for $45 off of your first month. And Grove. Oh my God, I love Grove. I talked to you guys about it last week. I am loving my lavender cleaning spray, Grove. Grove makes healthier home products, a a sexy, accessible, and affordable. Over half a million families shop at grove.co, that's just .co, for non-toxic dish soap, plant-based skincare, and tree-free bath tissue. Grove makes it easy to find the best natural, eco-friendly products online. It delivers them straight to your door. I had a giant box of goodies delivered to me, including scented candles and all-natural soaps and all-natural Mrs. Meyers products and all-natural sponges and tissues and bath tissue. I love it. Go to grove.co slash fun. That's grove.co slash fun. And what is going to happen when you do that? Well, I will tell you. when you go, you are going to get something special just for you. You will get a free cleaning set in these limited edition scents, which are peony, lilac, and mint. When you place your first order of $20, free Mrs. Meyer's spring hand soap, free Mrs. Meyer's spring dish soap, and free Mrs. Meyer's spring multi-service spray. So, Get this exclusive Mrs. Meyers offer from Grove before it runs out. Select your favorite spring scents, peony, lilac, or mint. Grove delivers natural brands you love like Mrs. Meyers, seventh generation, Burt's Bees, and Grove straight to your doorstep. And it really works. I loved getting all of my things. Again, my listeners get a three-piece cleaning set from Mrs. Meyers Spring Scents, a free 60-day VIP membership, and a special surprise bonus gift just for you when you sign up and place an order of $20 or more. Again, grove.co slash fun. <clears throat> Sorry, guys. Sorry to clear my throat. So anyway, so it gets to New York and I'm in debt. Oh, I'm ignoring it. It's piling up. I'm doing comedy at night. I've been told my career's over. I'm going up anyway. But there was a little less heat on me after that. The rumor started. This weirdo comes in. She does a 20-minute set. She bombs. She's still walking around here like she's, you know, her shit don't stink. But in the meantime, I'm at my day jobs. I worked at a place called Solid ING. I don't even know if it still exists. It was in quotes a Wall Street investment firm, but it wasn't on Wall Street. It was like in the 40s. 40th and something, I don't even know. And I got there and I was a temp and I was filing and these stockbrokers had offices with their doors shut and outside their door were where like the secretary pool sat. But you know, it was it was office manager. That was like the first time I heard the word like office manager. Wow, because I'd always grown up with the word secretary. And so it was office manager and then there were a few office managers and then there was me and they didn't have a desk for me. So they put a chair in front of a file cabinet. So if you've ever sat at a desk, you know that there's an underneath, you could swing your legs. But if you sit at a file cabinet, your knees are just up against a thing. And that's how I sat. And then I would have to go to other file cabinets to file things. But everything was so tightly filed that there was literally no room for even one tiny thin envelope. And I'd be like, my fingers were always bleeding. And I was like, Ugh, can we get more file cabinets or less files or something? No, just make it work. And every once in a while, the stockbroker's would be like, want to come in and watch me working? I guess so. And they'd be like, hey, Billy, it's me, Bobby. So, hi, low, go. And I'm like, are you just making shit up? It just looked like kids pretending. And then every once in a while, I'd be like, solid ING? You know, the, the office manager would go to lunch or go to the bathroom. She'd go, just cover his phones. Just take messages no matter what. Don't, don't. This was like you had to go and then knock on the door and go, you have a call. So I go, okay, okay. Solid ING, Mr. Boo's office. That wasn't his name, but who can remember these details? And they go, hi, I want to talk to Mr. Boopoo. I go, he can't take a call right now what do you mean you can't take a call right now? This is Mr. Bop-Bop. I'm more important than Mr. Boop-Boo. B- 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 and so you're young and you think, well, the office manager didn't say anything about if someone yells at you and says it's important, I guess, I guess it's important. So I go, oh, okay, hang on, Mr. Bop-Bop. And I'd knock on Mr. Boop-Boop's door and he'd go, I told you not to knock on the door. And he'd open the door and throw his phone, not his cell phone. These people didn't talk on cell phone. That would have been the weirdest thing. If you had a cell phone, And you talked on it in a building where there was already a landline. It would be like, what's wrong with that person? Were they a drug dealer? What, do they think they're fucking better than us? So he took his landline, his, you know, a phone with a, like a heavy thing, an object. I don't know how to tell you people what a phone is. It was a piece of furniture back then. You know, rips, rips the cord out of it and just throws it at us. Clang. That was just a normal day in the life. And I was like, I guess this is. I guess I'll never get out of here. And I'm not making enough to pay off debt, but I have to make something, something. Then, (coughs) sorry. So, just imagine series and series and series of jobs like that. And it is true. When you're not making enough money, you're incurring more debt. So, I think for a little while, you might want to stay at this well-paying job, but you might want to actually, you know, when we do the little, this is the good news I found about my humanity. If I do the littlest thing, I'm like, you know what, I feel a little better. But right now you probably feel like shit because you're stuck in inaction and you're like, okay, here are my two options. I quit my job and I do the thing I love, but I won't make any money doing it and I'll still be in debt. Or I stay at the job I love and I'll never get to, I stay at the job that I hate, but it pays the bills, but I'll never get to do what I love and I'm falling behind with my peers. Those are two terrible choices. The truth is somewhere in the middle. Life is an accordion. Life isn't two pieces of brick. It's again, what is what is this analogy? I don't know that mom, I, I emailed the podcast she went on about there's bugs inside of us and then she's an accordion, not two bricks. What the fuck does that mean? You know what I think? I think if you spent less time on these podcasts, maybe you'd figure out the meaning to life. So, that's my advice to you is once your thinking is a little bit corrected, you actually might be able to find some joy, pleasure, and hope in the process of growing up. I mean, this is really how to grow up. You know, this is this is the stuff, and no one wants to talk about anxiety. And people will minimize it, and they'll tell you they'll mistake it for nervousness, or they'll mistake it for being young. You know, don't listen to these people. Anxiety is a thing, and it needs treatment. Just like if you had foot fungus, I wouldn't go. You're young. That's what you, that's what you do. You have foot fungus. <laughs> You have to make that a priority because once that is taken care of or under control or improving, it's like, how can you possibly th- use your brain to think about how to approach things in life if you have anxiety? Anxiety doesn't just mean, oh boy, I'm nervous over here. My hand is shaking. I'm have a cup of coffee. Anxiety is your brain telling you negative things. I mean, the definition of anxiety is like obsessive thinking and Your brain is telling you negative things and you're worrying. You know, if you're worrying about the future, you're in the future. And if you're in regret, you're in the past and you can't be in the present. The other thing I would be careful of is these dramatic statements. They're just black and white. They're not dramatic. They're black and white and life is gray. Even the brain is gray. It's gray matter. You know, so respect your brain and think gray. And your personal life and your relationships, they can get right back on track. You are young. You can bounce back. You know, I've had experiences in life where I did let things go for a long time and people got married, they had kids, and you're not there yet. Where people actually, you know, and maybe these relationships were supposed to be the ones you let go of. I don't know. Maybe there's a little bit of workaholism in you where like you're kind of like comfortable in a way, not having people in your life and you're kind of using this as an excuse, you know, so look into that too. If you really want these relationships, all you have to do today is text these people and go... I've really missed you guys. Can we get coffee? I don't know if it's all one group or you know them individually. And tell them about how you feel. You can even tell your peers, if, if, you're, if they're actual friends of yours, the people that you're, you feel are passing you by, tell them how you feel. Don't like make it their problem, but you can say, you know, I just want to let you know that I need all the support I can get right now. I'm, I'm, I'm making some decisions in my life and I'm really anxious. And I, I feel like I'm really behind you guys. I've done that recently with peers of mine. And that was really humbling to do because we we were all on the same level at one point, but some people are a little more successful in like the relationship department or in a job department. And I've had to talk to each individual friends and be like, oh, I feel like I'm really lacking in this area right now. I'm kind of embarrassed. And it's like so nothing when you actually just say it out loud and you have that human connection and you realize that's all that matters. Or that's not all that matters, but it's a big thing. So I hope that helped. It probably didn't because I'm so old now that I'm like, whatever, kids, you, you'll be fine. Don't worry about it. So come see me. Folks, here's really, really quick. The shows in Phoenix were, or the show in Phoenix was a maze last weekend. Thank you for coming. We did sell it out. I don't know. You all like to buy tickets at the last minute. It makes me fucking nuts. Please buy them in advance so that I know, so that I know I can relax and I don't have to do press. So I feel a cold coming on. I don't feel well. <clears throat> I'll probably be sick for the next ten days and then I'll get to Portland, Oregon, and it'll be fine. So this was like a good time for this to come on. But when I'm in Portland, I have to get up at six in the morning and do press after doing shows and then I have to do two shows that night. So if you wanna sell out my shows in advance, that's a really great way to help me out. So go to jenkirkman.com, click tour. I'm in Portland at the Helium Comedy Club, Thursday, March 28th through Saturday, March 30th. Five shows to pick from. Thursday night is the cheapest. Tickets are only 18 bucks. Saturday night is already half sold out. So I would go get that first if you definitely know that you can only go Saturday night. I will be selling and signing books after the early shows, at least the early shows for sure. Then, in April, I will be in Philadelphia and Pittsburgh, one night only, each show. Again, everything is at JenKirkman.com, click tour. In May, I will be in Omaha, Kansas City, and St. Louis. Now, those three shows, Omaha and St. Louis are all ages. Bring the kids. Bring a toddler. I don't care. And Kansas City is 18 plus. And then, I will be in Salt Lake City, my Salt Lake City debut, downtown, Wise Guys Comedy Club, end of May, JenKirkman.com, click tour. Then, I In September, I will be in Brooklyn and in Boston, September 11th and September 13th, Brooklyn and then Boston. I will be in the Toronto uh, Comedy Festival, Just for Laughs. Uh, One of the dates, uh, it's coming up as well in September. So stay on my newsletter for that. Go to jennkirkman.com, click tour. You can subscribe to my newsletter. And there are 20 more American cities coming as well as a small UK tour. So that newsletter will give you everything you need to know once I get a sense of when those dates are. So... I saw the best, I I promised you, travel story, I saw the best epic fail at Enterprise Rent-A-Car that I've ever seen. I'm at the counter in Phoenix getting my car. The guy's asking me 50 times, how's your day so far? How's your this? How's your that? How's your vagina? How's your butt? How's your face? I'm like, can I just, how's the car? How's the car you're going to give me and where is it? So, guy next to me, he's walking up to Enterprise. The guy behind the counter is like, welcome to Enterprise. How's everything going? This is going, that is going. You here for some baseball? Because I guess it's spring training or it was or whatever. And the guy, it's like, read the room. Like, hello. The guy walking up to the counter is looking rough. Like a man, like he looks like central casting. My wife just left me. I'm living in a motel by the side of the road. Just Disheveled, a mess. Like someone who hasn't slept in days because they're sad about something. This guy gets to the counter and this guy's like, hey, how you doing? Boog, boog. Guy goes, huh. Here for some baseball? He goes, No. What are you in town for then? Not baseball. Oh, maybe you'll have some time to see some baseball, even though you're not in town for baseball. Take me out to the ball game. And the guy's like, my friend's in the hospital. He goes, ah, sorry to hear that. But tell your friend we wish them well. He goes, I wish I could talk to her. She's in a coma. Guy was like, oh. And I was like, yeah. This is why we don't keep asking people. Not everyone traveling is like, I'm going to Disney World. People travel for deaths. People travel for illicit affairs. People travel because they just found out someone they know is having an illicit affair and they're trying to get away to go cry somewhere. People travel for all kinds of reasons. How about don't ask why they're traveling? Because they might not want to share it with you. They might not want to lie. They might not want to have to stand there and go, oh, this is awkward. But, um, well, you asked. Um, My, I couldn't think of anything. So, I was kind of, I wasn't happy, because I felt bad for the customer, but I was sort of happy, like, good, maybe this will teach you that there's other things to talk about. And I know people go, I can already see the Twitter patrol. They have to ask what you're doing in town because it depends, it helps them decide what car to give you. Now it doesn't, no, it doesn't, this is in the 40s, business or pleasure. Y- you go, I want this car, this price range. You-, you order it online in advance, you go pick it up. No one needs to know why you're in town. Nobody needs to know. There's no discount if it's business. There's nothing. You will let them know like, oh, I have a business discount because I'm business. I'm business McGee. Oh my God, you're business McGee. We have a business McGee discount, but only for, but you're the real business McGee. Yeah, I'm, this is my ID. So I get down to get my car. Now I am rattled because I, on the flight there. Now, I know that, like, you know, the 737 crash in Ethiopia, and then all of a sudden, every 737 in America is grounded. And it's like, oh, well, you know, remember that shutdown we had where there was no government for 9,000 days? Well, it turns out that, and I said this, I was like, this is going to fuck up air travel somehow. Not just in the big obvious way where the TSA agents are calling in sick and there's no air traffic control, but some, this is going to do something, somehow, something. And all the parts that were needed to be put into the 737s didn't get delivered in time, and so we had to ground them. But it gets in your head, you know. Like, I remember there was cyanide in Tylenol caplets when I was a kid. It was like a big scandal. I mean, not in all of them, but like someone found it in theirs, or they died from it or something. I don't think they found it. Like, I detect, I was born with this skill, I detect cyanide. And when I bought the bottle, I had a feeling because my finger started beeping and that's how I knew there was cyanide in this bottle. I turned it into the authorities and that was the scandal. Like I think someone died from it or something. Anyway, so, but now like Tylenol to me is synonymous with cyanide. Like it gets in your head once. And so whenever I've, you know, I've had, you know, sometimes when you have an operation or you have to go under anesthesia, they're like, okay, for the next 48 hours, if you have any pain, you can't take like an Aleve you have to take a Tylenol because it's a different kind of thing. And I'm like, ooh, but that's where the cyanide comes from. They're like, that was 30 years ago. I'm like, I know, but you never know. So now that like 37, 737s have been grounded, it's like, I mean, are we all going to be psyched to be getting back on them? You know, it's like, it gets in your head. So it just changes the morale. Like air travel is the safest way to travel. And America kicks fucking ass in air travel. And now there's like, oh, you know, some questions. And... What was my point? Oh, so I'm on the plane. So I read this article. This is before the 737 thing that was like Southwest cannot get it together. They have so many planes that are like kind of busted. And why are they still flying them? And I remember last year that woman's face got sucked out of the plane. And uh, there was another weird incident on Southwest. And I was like, yeah, you know what? Southwest is kind of janky. And so... I booked my trip on American from Burbank to Phoenix instead of Southwest. And which would have been a little bit cheaper, but I was like, you know what? I'll pay the extra money to not crash. That's the kind of high roller I am. So, you know, no Southwest flights have crashed, but you know what I'm saying? I, I was just feeling a little bit like, and this is where my anxiety disorder is totally fine. It's like, I might do a weird thing, like pay 50 bucks more for a plane ticket, because I read an article about Southwest when I know it's still totally safe to fly Southwest. But I'm like, you know what? For my peace of mind, that's one less chance of having a panic attack. Is it? Is it being a little weird? Yeah, but it's not avoiding it completely. I'm still flying. I'm still doing it. But it doesn't, it, like in the olden days, I would have thought about it forever and ever and called 50 friends and been like, do you think the plane's going to crash and blah, 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 blah. So it does get better. You just have to work on it. So I'm on the plane, the American flight out of Burbank. weather's great, not like before where I got rained out or rained in, and we're taxing down the runway, so I take a picture of myself, which is always a loser move, and I'm like, people can see me doing this, and i I don't honestly know why I'm doing it like I truly at this point, it's just so automatic to take a selfie when I travel and post it on Instagram and go, "I'm on my way, Phoenix, you know, like why can't I use a photo of anything else like i I could have taken a picture out the window of the airplanes on the runway and been like, I'm on my way, Phoenix. But you know why deny people my gorgeous face? So we're parked. I take a picture of myself. I feel like an idiot. They're coming around, securing the cabin. Okay, now we're taxiing. And I'm like, oh, I'll post this on Instagram. Or like I'm writing the Instagram long thing. And like I'm about to hit post. And we're taxiing. Like we're about to lift off. And the the plane slams the brakes on. Arr! As though like a dog had run out in front of the plane. And it and it has to like do all these twists and turns, I think, so it doesn't tip over. And nobody's saying anything. The pilot doesn't come on and go, sorry, that it's fucking weird. Um, sorry. We just sit on the runway for a while. And this woman next to me, <laughs> she hears all these noises, and the noises she's hearing are the wings. Like it's normal sounds, like the mechanics, like the wing is doing its thing because it just had to stop and it's repositioning. She goes, oh, that's not good. That doesn't sound good. Like she's a plane whisperer. Oh, like, oh, really? Are you? uh, Oh God. She goes, this isn't good, is it? I go, "I, I have a feeling that there's nothing wrong with the plane. I think it's like a control tower thing. You probably got a wrong signal. And she was like, I don't know. It doesn't sound good. I go, but you, I go, don't worry about it. You actually would love to sit next to me on a plane. I could help you. I'm like, no, honestly, those sounds are normal. I'm like, I fly a lot. She's like, oh. And then the pilot gets on, oh, we got a wrong signal from air traffic control. I'm sorry about that. We were cleared for takeoff, but it uh, wasn't us. It was uh, mixed signals there. So uh, we'll get it right. And she just looks at me like I'm from the future. She's like, that is what it was. I was like, I I figured. She's like, wow. I mean, I I really impressed this woman. So we take off, but that doesn't give me like the greatest confidence. Like, oh, sorry, my bad um, air traffic control. You had to slam on the brakes. But like, so I wasn't exactly trusting when we tried to take off again. I was like, what if, like, because it can't slam on the brakes in the air. I, I was just nervous. Like, I just kept picturing like two planes crashing into each other. And, it, but I wasn't, again, I wasn't actually activating myself with it. And I put on a podcast that was a body scan meditation exercise where you tighten and release muscles from your toes all the way up to your head. And I, I knew preventatively this would be the best thing because my my brain was a little busy. It was getting active. It was getting, it, it wanted me to have a panic attack. My brain was bored. My brain is so bored on planes now that I'm not busy panicking and listening to my brain. My brain used to have a lot of power back then. And it is like, I have no power anymore. And it just, it just hangs around. It just hangs around waiting to see if there's a moment where it could take over again. So I got to do things like the body scan. So, okay. So great. And it was a great flight, a little bumpy when we land. who cares. But, you know, I realized as I'm renting the car that I have been sort of like tightly gripping for an hour. And I'm like, I'm just trying to relax I've got like got my own thoughts. Like people who just get off a plane, they don't want to be bombarded with 50 questions. Where are you going? Where have you been? But, but, but stop. I've just been in the air, <laughs> you know? So the guy takes me to look at the car that he's giving me. I mean, he's not giving me a car. <laughs> Ma'am, I just want you to have this Audi. Um, no, no, no. It's not to rent. Like I want you to have it. We, we here at Enterprise really value you. Um, You've rented four cars in the last two years. And I, I think that's frankly amazing. So, but I do get like this really cute Audi kind of like, he, ca- he said it was an SUV, but it wasn't. It was, it looked more like a station wagon. It was cute. This Phoenix airport really has like, you're not just going to get a Toyota RAV4, not that there's anything wrong with that, but <clears throat> they'll really intermediate you and give you something a little more like fun and sporty. So I get in the car, but, uh, we're standing around the car and he goes, so what are you in town for? I go, Oh, it's just a friend overnight, a quick visit. But I'm trying to ask about like the Bluetooth. And I was like, I want to, can you go? But like every time I'm about to ask something, he's like, where do you live in in L.A.? Because, you know, they have to look at your license. And I said, in the Valley. um, He's like, oh, yeah, uh, my family has a restaurant in Beverly Hills. I'm like, okay, great. He's like, what do you do there? I'm like, this is. It, and honestly, we'd already looked at everything and signed all the paperwork. He was holding the keys. So as I said, as a woman, it feels like a date I didn't ask to be on. It's all the small talk you would ask on a date. Where are you from? What do you do for a living? What do you like to eat? What do you like to do for fun? I'm. D- Our transaction is done. None of this is to ensure proper service. None of this has to do with the car. And none of this is small talk while he's waiting for his computer to load. The transaction is done All he has to do is hand me the keys and he's not. I can't tell you how many transactions I'm in with men that involve it being over, but they've got the one thing I need and they they hold me hostage with small talk. I go, I really need the keys. So I get the keys. He he runs away because I'm not, you know, impressed with his restaurant or whatever. And like, he's like, yeah, my family owns a restaurant in Beverly Hills. Like it's all owned by us. Yeah, but right now, you're working at Enterprise in Phoenix, so something's not totally right with how much you're important to this restaurant in Beverly Hills. Because I've been to restaurants, and you can't really run one very well if you're also working at an enterprise in another state. So I have a feeling you're not a big cog in the wheel there. So maybe don't try to impress me Like as if I'm stupid. Like, he, he, mama. Mama, I met the greatest man at the Phoenix Enterprise a car. He, yes, he he runs a restaurant in Beverly Hills. How does he do that all the way from Phoenix? I don't know, mama. He's magic. So, and I'm not saying he was hitting on me, but it's just one of these gendered things where my least favorite thing to do is to be even accidentally treated like a woman on a date that she doesn't want to be on while I'm renting a car. Like, I just can't imagine a man. Holding keys after the transaction is finished, and the last step is handing the keys to the other adult man, and then looking him in the eye and going, where do you like to eat for fun? Are you fucking kidding me? He would get punched in the face, unfortunately, due to homophobia, but are you fucking kidding me? Play that game all the time. Oh my God, could I see a man doing this to a man? The answer is no, you can't. So it shouldn't be being done to a woman. So I drive out of the enterprise and the guy, and you know, you have to show your license again, which I don't know why. And the guy there goes, how is your customer service experience today? And I thought for a minute about being honest and I went, um, he was fine. He goes, well, what's, what do you mean it was fine? I go, well. He's going to tell you it was great because he gave me this really cool Audi, which is like sort of the price range up from what I actually rented. So everything I tell you, if you actually report it back to them, they're going to come back and go, we gave her great customer service. We gave her a car that was more expensive than she asked for without charging. But I'm going to tell you what happened. So I tell him, I go, I don't understand why it's considered good service." I go, as long as you asked me. I said, I've worked customer service jobs. This is not you guys' fault. But someone should tell the management that being asked why you're in town and where you live back, like he asked me where I live. He was getting into like intersections. Like what intersection is that at? I'm like, uh, I don't need to answer that. I go, it's kind of weird. Like, you know, I was like, you know, as a woman being in a parking garage alone with a man while he's asking you where you live is like that's sort of like stranger danger to us it, it 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 i'm and he goes oh all of our employees are very safe i go that's not what i was saying and honestly you can't guarantee that right i said it just reminds me of a situation right it would be like if your business was a library but you dressed it up like a van and the librarian was a man going i have candy you'd be like you know what i know this is a library that just looks like a van and this is truly a librarian but you're handing out candy and saying, get in the van, kids. It, it just mimics another situation, which is kind of, I've always been told to stay away from. So I was just in a situation where I'm alone in the parking garage with this guy. He's got the keys. You know, he's asking me where I live, where I'm going, where I'm staying in town. I mean, these aren't appropriate questions. And I said, I just don't think it, it enhances the customer experience. It's just very frustrating to be. And he goes, oh ma'am, I think we're just trying to be nice. I go, no, no. I appreciate that. He goes, I understand that some people just want to get on their way. I go, I didn't say that. I didn't say I didn't want to talk to people and that I just needed to get on my way. I just didn't like being interrogated about where I live and what I'm doing in town. I thought it was weird. And I said, I really think it's a gendered thing. I don't think you understand. He goes, I don't think gender has anything to do with it. And I go, well, no man ever thinks gender has anything to do with anything. (laughs) I don't think it's a black thing that cops treat you differently. Okay. You know what I mean? It's that. So he goes, well, I'm sorry, ma'am, hopefully. And then he said something kind of snarky. He goes, hopefully for the rest of the day, no one will ask you any annoying questions. And I go, so this was the, this is the result of, I mean, I couldn't believe, I don't think this guy ever expected that someone was actually going to answer the question, how did your customer service experience go? I go, so this is your answer to someone actually giving you feedback is to deny it and then say, We're just being friendly. You're, you know, I mean, he basically might as well been a Hallmark Christmas movie where he's like, well, you New York rich bitch, you don't want to talk to any of us country folks. You know, I mean, it was like that. And I just said, I'm going to go, I'm going to go, I'm going to go. I haven't even figured out the Bluetooth yet, but when I had a real question, he wasn't around. Like I'm going to make someone feel real guilty with that. Oh my God, she can't figure out the Bluetooth and she's driving away. Anyway, I figured it out. I drove away, got on that one-on-one loop, went to my hotel. Then I had a weird experience at the hotel. I check in. I walk in. I've never had anyone speak to me this way. It was 1.30, which check-in is usually 3. Getting there at 1.30, truly not that weird. Most places, unless it's like New York City at Christmas, the room is ready. I'm in Desert Ridge, Arizona, I'm like the only car in the parking lot of this hotel. There's nobody's there. I walk in and she goes, "You're real early for check-in." I go, "Oh, I'm sorry. Um, I didn't have a flight that landed exactly at three, so thought I'd come here." Should I have fucking? What should I have done? Shot myself in the desert and walked here? So that, with a with a limping foot with a bullet in it, just so that I could time it so that I walk in exactly at three? Should I have sat in my car for ninety minutes? Like, what do you want? I said, Oh well, it's if the room isn't ready, I understand the I understand how it works. I'll go to the gym, I'll take a walk, I'll go get a manicure. like it's all good, but thought I'd walk in and just see. Like already she's acting crazy. She goes, <clears throat> What's your name? And I tell her my name. She goes, Oh my god, you're the VIP guest. I go, Oh, okay. Because, you know, the, the comedy club booked the hotel for me and they, they treat you right. They put you in a nice little suite. She goes, oh, I'm so sorry. You're the VIP guest. So now I know that she just treats regular people like shit. And but the VIP guest, she's like, I think the room's ready. I'm going to call up right now. I'm like, literally, no worries. Ready, not ready, just as long as I know. And then uh, she's like, now, will you be eating dinner in my hotel tonight? I go, I didn't even know what she meant. It was the weirdest thing. She didn't say the hotel. She said My hotel. So I'm thinking like, does she own another hotel that I'm supposed to know about? Like it was a weird question. It made it seem like she was talking about somewhere else. I go, um, no, because I have to be at the club at five and then I'm just going to eat there and no, she goes, okay, so will you be having breakfast at my hotel in the morning? I go, um, I don't think so. I have to get up early, but I'm like, who, what the fuck does it mean? My hotel? She goes, okay, great. Well, um, room service just called and Your room is ready. And so I just really want to thank you for staying at my hotel. <clears throat> and I'm like, are you the owner? Like, wouldn't you say like, Oh, I'm the owner. I'm Betsy. Betzerson. I own, you know, this hotel and suites, blah, blah. But it was like a weird, I could tell she wasn't the owner. And then it was like a new customer service thing of like, make them feel like you're invested in the place, even though they're probably paying her like one cent. Like I'm in my hotel. It was the weirdest thing I'd ever heard. And I, It was like I watched someone have a psychotic break from, you're too early to like, oh my God, you're here. I I don't, nobody has any fucking chill. Like I, I, and I don't want things to be taken over by robots either. I don't like checking myself out on a kiosk. I don't want any more kiosks. I want human connection. I just don't want weird things like, where do you live? What do you eat? Why can't I have your blood type? You know, like. I don't know. I'm going to have to figure something out. I'll get back to you guys. I'll get back to you guys on what we're going to do about this. But I thank you. I thank you. Next week, there'll be more of the same. I I already got, I've got some, I've got a longer story I want to do. We didn't get to the the magazine story. I'm going to tell that one next week. I think, I don't know. I have so many stories of like crazy jobs I've had. And I think a lot of the, what I'm going to do is, with the listener emails from younger people that need life advice, I'm going to just tell some of my weird stories of growing up and um, jobs I've had and things like that. And, and hopefully if my advice doesn't help you, you'll at least hear that, you know, everyone's life is pretty ridiculous um, at that age. So, all right, until next week, have fun.